Hi, dance friends, and welcome to the very first episode of the Dance Edit Extra. We are super excited to be launching this new audio adventure. The Edit Extra is a companion to the Dance Edit's weekly news podcast, and I don't want to confuse you. This first episode, which you're seeing in your regular Dance Edit podcast feed, is what we're calling a soft launch. So going forward, listening to the Edit Extra episodes will involve subscribing to a separate podcast feed. But we wanted to kick things off here to give all of you listeners a sense of what will be on offer. So what can you expect from the Edit Extra? In this premium series, we will be bringing you interviews with the dancers, choreographers, educators, administrators, entrepreneurs, all of the above, who are shaping the dance world's headlines. And we'll have new episodes dropping on Saturdays every couple of weeks. In this inaugural episode, you'll be hearing from choreographer Andrea Miller. I talked with Andrea a few weeks back when she was in the process of creating the choreography for You Are Here, her innovative installation on the Lincoln Center campus. Fast forward to now, and the performance portion of You Are Here is actually kicking off tonight, July 24th. You can find out more about that at restartstages.org. So I hope you enjoy Andrea's beautiful words of wisdom, and please visit thedanceedit.com to learn more about the Dance Edit Extra and all of the Dance Edit's offerings. I am very excited to be here now with award-winning choreographer Andrea Miller. Andrea, thank you so much for joining today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It is so lovely to have you as our very first Dance Edit Extra guest. Um, Andrea is the artistic director of the movement-based production company Galim, and her work has been presented, I mean, pretty much everywhere, but here, here is a highly condensed list. It's been at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the Guggenheim, the Kennedy Center, the Brooklyn Academy of Music, the Joyce, Jacob's Pillow, and very soon, from July 14th to 30th, Lincoln Center will be presenting a new sculpture and sound and performance installation by Andrea titled You Are Here. And we're going to talk a lot more about that work today. Um, But first, to get started, Andrea, can you actually tell our listeners what you think they should know about your dance story? My dance story, starting from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, thankfully, my dance story is very close to my life story in many ways. Dance has been part of my my uh, my life since I was uh, three years old. Um, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, where there are lots of children and lots of dance studios. Um, but I feel like I had a special, I don't know, blessing to be part of um, a school uh, uh, who, that was created by Virginia Tanner, who's a pioneer of modern dance and 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 then moved to Connecticut and trained in when I was about nine and trained in Doris Humphrey and Charles Weidman materials, um, choreography and technique until I attended Juilliard and went to uh, dance at the ensemble Batsheva in Tel Aviv after. And then after leaving there, I I wanted to start my own company. Well, I I didn't know if I wanted to start a company, but I wanted to choreograph. And they sort of met each other. Um, A company emerged out of of a result of wanting to create opportunities to choreograph. And 
built um, an amazing um, experience of uh, working with incredible artists and we shaped what we dreamed dance could be for ourselves and what we we wanted to be doing in the studio and doing with our craft with our relationship to audiences and um it just kind of kept growing and now um you know i think about five years into the company i started and maybe it wasn't just five years in because it's been always my dream from the beginning as a choreographer to work inside and outside of the theater mm -hmm. and believing that that was a really important place for interaction and i guess meaning making of our life of our culture of our bodies of dance that it could be really really exciting in other spaces outside of the theater so i've been working a lot more in film and site specific work as artists in residence at the met that was a huge huge moment mm -hmm. where it kind of clearly marked a line of transition not away from the theater, but just adding to my curiosity, these other spaces and collaborations. And now we're at Lincoln Center doing a sculpture, sound and performance installation with community members. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm sorry to go backwards, but I have to ask. So you trained in Humphrey Weidman techniques starting at the age of nine. That is yes so profoundly unusual how how did that what was that like how did that shape you as a young dancer well my teacher was uh ernestine stodell who was 80 years mm. old i trained with her from when she was 80 to when she was 90 and she was doing full-on like pitchfalls you know and um hinges at 90 and she could do uh like pleadings better than any of us. So it was, <laughs> she kicked our butt. Um, and also I had uh, another teacher, Gail Corbin, who continues to set Humphrey's work, um, who's a huge inspiration. I think it was really, it's an unusual training, um, but it was really like a sacred kind of training because I guess when you work with legacy, there's just this feeling that, this person found kind of like a gem or something like discovered some secret garden and um and you kind of want to hold it really closely and and guard it and 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 feel you know very um fo focused about what its meaning is and so i felt like going to Training in this way was like being in like a, in a temple in some ways, and I and it it changed how I think about dance and how I related to dance in 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 this kind of sacred way, which is very very present. Um, but I think there were also some limitations because like my teacher was very uncomfortable with me doing other techniques because she grew up in that time where it's like, well, if you're a Humphrey dancer, you don't do gram, you know, or like you don't do, you know don't do ballet is like another so it's just this really weird anachronistic kind of reality um to live in and so when i went to juilliard and i started seeing that there's like living choreographers and there's you know pop music you can dance to and it was it was really mind-blowing yeah 
Oh, uh, the dance studio is a sacred space. Yep, that's really it. Um, so coming back to the present now, what has your life and your creative world looked like over this past year during this pandemic period? I mean, so much has changed, but what were sort of the constants that got you through all the uncertainty? You know, um, like uncertainty was kind of a constant. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I think it was a very necessary year, uh, a necessary time for me personally to slow down everything, um, to stop, just not even slow down, to just stop the the speed and the I'm 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 tripping over my words because thinking of last year, or the the, the year it continues to go. Thinking of this pandemic, I find myself speechless in many ways. Um, it's hard to describe. It was really difficult to see the dance community and to see my own company and to see um, the dancers, um, my friends, family, people uh, dealing with significant trauma. And I think that what kept me going was probably my family being, being, having the opportunity as a mother um, to really be with my children in a way that honestly I hadn't been able to do until this year in this way was uh, actually a really big, big blessing. And at the same time, I felt like creativity really doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. Um, it fills just different spaces. And so you're in a studio, you fill that space. You're in a film set, you fill that space. You're in your fantasy, you fill that space. And I think being able to see my my creativity um, be in conversation in, in spaces in which I, I hadn't been was with incredibly inspiring people was just very exciting it was a very exciting experience to build kind of a new new conversation new community even if it's not new people it's like familiar people but a new level of of um connection grew mm-hmm. um so that was that was really special and we did that through you know making sure to stay like present and have our like a digital life you know whether it was just teaching like free classes on Instagram or, or we, you know, we have our happy hours where I got to interview so many inspiring artists. So yeah, that was kind of the muscle that we built. And speaking of, of digital life, you've done several film projects during the pandemic. And I'm wondering if you talk a little bit about that work, because how have you seen looking at movement through that different lens, I mean, literally through a lens, has it changed the way that you think about it at all? Or has it not? Yes. Um, Film um, is surprisingly not as as similar as I might have thought it to be um, prior to working more in it. It's so visceral when you're watching it, you feel like it's you, you know, and so it's like, how can that be so different than the room I'm sitting in or the way that I'm moving right now? But it's really, um, it's its own, it's its, it's, it's its own world and it's its own art. And I felt 
at first very humbled by, by that. Like that, you know, I, I had a lot to learn, and thankfully was learning with some really um, incredible uh, filmmakers and artists, cinematographer, and, and 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 building kind of a language together. And I think the biggest differences are um, how how loud everything is that like little plug in the corner that you wish you had somehow not put in your frame how loud the lighting is in the the moment in the day and how it changes in one second how loud the color of you know your 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 costume is it's just like it's a very it's really working with volumes that are usually much more muted uh, on in the theater and and it felt really exciting uh, to to re like reframe those things, and also I think narratively to be able to be much more playful with how you like the um, how you can edit um, to create narrative instead of being in kind of real time. So, and, and those are just two examples of I think infinite um, that kept coming up for for us you know we 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 did a piece called boat which is a piece that is um many of much of the material evokes the idea of water and then we filmed it in water and i found it's very ridiculous to evoke water when you're actually in water (laughs) so (laughs) the choreography didn't work anymore like you're not in kansas anymore and it's a very exciting adventure to be to be had as a result of it and I love it and I want to I just want to do a ton more <laughs> um we'll include the link to boat in the show notes it, I mean it's beautiful a beautiful work I know it's funny it's how film is both more and less literal than productions in a theater in a lot of different ways um all right so so getting to you are here now the press release for You Are Here says that the work, quote, continues your investigation of the human pursuit of understanding through the alchemy of performance, end quote, which I thought was so beautiful. And I'm hoping that you can elaborate on it a little bit further. Um, how has that idea shaped your career? And, and how does it shape this piece? Yes. Well, there's two thoughts there. And they're interconnected but it is movement and its relationship to learning and understanding and the event and all of the changes that happen when you create or when you construct the circumstances for performance to be conjured, like performativeness or the witnessing and performing of you know that shared space um and how all of those things are in my opinion and part of what i'm most excited about related to an essential part of humans desire to deeply understand themselves and each other I think we have limitations of understanding ourselves and each other through logic. It only goes so far and it's extremely flawed. Language 
it can only go so far and it is extremely flawed. And I would even say movement can can describe the same thing, but at the same time, movement isn't a construct like logic and language are. Mm-hmm. Movement it is just innate and necessary. And we learn how to understand the world through how we touch and see and feel and move in this body. So I think that from the beginning, there's this like very pure and honest space of learning um, that movement and the body have, have shared from day one, like in embryo. And so it's like a home base. It's a home base um, to, all, that to always return to. And going to performance, thinking of performance, it's just, and the word alchemy is something I use a lot, actually, because the act of creating to me is this, like believing in something very magical that doesn't exist. It didn't exist the second before. And um, you kind of make it out of nothing like making gold from Mm -hmm. dirt or whatever an alchemist maybe uses to to make that gold. And so I think the performance is this this special kind of um, relationship that we've set up to try to witness each other, to try to bear reality and to try to bear our hopes and dreams and to try to kind of like hold it together um, in a way where we can kind of agree to watch and hear things we might not do in conversation or we might not do in any other space. And so it's to me, it, it really is this, this need to try to understand. And I'm not thinking that we're trying to understand things like a thesis, you know, like we're trying to prove something like in no way at all. The understanding that comes from it is as mysterious mm-hmm. as the pursuit. So I just really, I just really get excited about these two spaces um, because I think they're, they're very naked and revealing of how we try to understand the world around us. A very exciting and intense opportunity that we don't have in other spaces in our world. Yeah, reading this, it, the, the word alchemy was the one that got me too. And I think, you know, it's interesting, right? Because in a sense, all art is alchemy. It's, it's that identifying that magical something. But dance is one of the few arts where there isn't another material onto which you are projecting something. It's just the body. It is this thing that we all have. So when you're talking about creating understanding, well, we all have bodies. Inherently, there is a route to understanding there that's different than than, than maybe in, in other media. You struck me with the way that you described alchemy. It's something that I'm still learning about how, how I want to communicate it, but it, it seems to be like the most perfect word to describe dance. And I, I, I'm so interested to hear that you, that you, you feel, feel that. Um, can you talk a little bit about how You Are Here came to be? What was sort of the, the point of generation for the project? And then how did it evolve from there? Absolutely, yes. 
so I was rehearsing at New York City Ballet. Um, not at New York City Ballet because it was a pandemic and it was closed. It still is a pandemic. But we were doing, um, making a film, which is such a great thing for, I think, the company to kind of, to, to have explored in, the, in this time. And I think kind of something that they, they had done but isn't necessarily part of their, you know, creative vision. And I just feel like maybe after this time, it, it would become maybe more, more part of it. Cause it's so such an accessible, it's such a place to get in, get to see them and get to feel them. So anyways, we were doing this film um, and I was f- filming in Hearst Plaza with New York city ballet dancers. And we were rehearsing and the security guard uh, kind of saw us and, and she just started dancing uh, right <laughs> alongside us in the plaza. And she was like amazing. She was so beautiful. She she was inspiring. And I just felt like maybe maybe she should be in the film. But that wasn't possible at that at, at that moment. She kind of disappeared and, and we were thankful for that special moment we had. And and but I came away really thinking about how a lot of my concern has been about getting about all of us that are wanting to get back on stage. But that really, it's a huge, 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 huge family of people that make it possible for people to be on stage. It's the security guard and the ushers and the volunteers and the educators and the administrators. And it's a, it's a huge family village. And um, I, I felt that I hadn't been thinking about that as much. And it really turned my focus around, especially seeing how beautifully she danced. And so I just came up with this idea of maybe asking all of the constituents of Lincoln Center to maybe I could find like a performer from from a performer and an administrator or security guard or or an you know as as I said an educator someone else who's not a performer in their constituency but who's a big part of it or who they know is somebody who likes to sing or who can tell a good story or could tell a good joke and to nominate it, you know, two people and, um, and that I could maybe create a piece for all of Lincoln center, you know, with the, with, with the, the performers right alongside another person in the organization that's doing as meaningful work and then it started expanding to wanting to work um, with, well, I might stop there because I, I don't know how far you want me to talk about the piece, <laughs> but that's just where it started. I, I actually am, am interested to hear more about it because there, I mean, there's some information in the, in the press release and I'm sure that our listeners know a little bit about it, but I, yeah, I'm curious to know how it grew and, and built on itself because it sounds like that's very much what happened. Yeah. Um, well, the first idea actually was not um, that people would perform. The first idea was that um, people, um, I would record audio portraits and create kind of a portrait that could be heard in speakers um, where we could just hear about how the, the year had gone, how people were coping with this past year and how if, if at all, the arts were part of their, of their processing 
if it was a story or a piece of music or a song or or anything. And and so it started with really wanting to think about these audio portraits. And then I said, well, you know, so so much of of um, audio portraits that could be in the site, so you could walk around in Lincoln Center campus because I. I, I, it was at a time in which we really needed to find more places to be able to be outside. And, um, you know, there's so many times you can go to the park <laughs> and not wanting. And, and Spoken wanting like a see, mom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just wanting to um, make uh, Lincoln's, kind of claim Lincoln Center as a place that's still a place to find that creativity and meaning making and everything that that they do uh, as a performing arts home mecca and um so just i i wanted to be a sound installation that would be there that people could feel they could walk at their own pace and they could they could experience it uh, in safely but then i started getting uncomfortable with the idea that everything that we have been doing has been digital everything that i have consumed in culture has been through a screen or for ear through earphones and even if it's on site and i'm walking i'm excited about that it's still not the real body yeah. the body is not there the it's amputated it's like um undone from the voice that i'm listening to so i felt like that these audio portraits should evolve into live performance of of the portraits uh, so that we can be back Kind of an embodiment together so it grew into that um and um but but honestly i i pitched that whole idea all, all in one as as a concept um uh, to lincoln center and 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 they felt it and they they they, they wanted to yeah to make it with me because it's very co-collaborative you know mm-hmm. i'm asking a lot uh a lot from also the organization to to create it together with me yeah, and I want to talk about some of your artistic collaborators, too, because you have Mimi Leon making sculptures, you have Justin Hicks, the sound artist. How did they come on board? So um, Mimi was actually someone that um, Lincoln Center um, uh, suggested and asked that I, I would work with her, which obviously is like 100%. Yes, that's fabulous. <laughs> um, thank you very much. Uh, she's wonderful and um we didn't exactly know what we would be doing together because at the at the time i imagined that the sound installation would be coming from speakers just regular you know speakers which now we know are sculptures that Mm -hmm. she's creating which is a hundred percent more interesting um and um, the placement of them she i mean she's she's basically been there from the beginning so she's much more than creating the speakers but really talking through this concept together and then justin was um recommended uh to me and um i heard um i i heard his work and felt that he had just like completely this is his this is exactly what he does Mm -hmm. he really gets into um the identity and then the uniqueness of a person and somehow makes a whole world from their story, from their voice, from from his voice and his thoughts. Um, so I was just really excited to work with him. He's He's been brilliant. 
And how did you conceive of, of the movement specifically for You Are Here? What has that process been like? Well, I mean, our first day on site is tomorrow. Oh my <laughs> so, gosh. so the movement so is really... Stay um, tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> um, we, the, I know in many ways the dance is kind of, um, is really... Uh, providing a very important role it's different from my other works where it's entirely the role it's entirely the hero of it but in this case the hero is are the portraited um, community members um of you know which we have 20 26 people um from 13 um, constituents of Lincoln Center, you know, the Met, the Opera, I mean, the Met and the Opera, Phil, New York City Ballet, SAB, the Film Society, Chamber Society, um, New York Public Performing Arts Library. We also added accessibility and education to be two constituents. And actually, Lila Lomax is the security guard that I saw that first day. She's participating. She's one of the people who's being portraited. Um, so really, they are the heroes of the work and their story. And um, the dance is kind of, I imagine them like a Greek chorus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they are stepping through the landmarks of, they're stepping through these really important moments in the work. And they step through kind of as the, uh, in, in, in hand with the audience. Um, as we pass through these different stories. And so they're, they're holding a lot of the space and the tension and they're creating because it's an outdoor space in the daytime, mm -hmm. you know, so they're actually creating that alchemy that this is a moment we're going to witness something and we're going to be together and we're going to create a sort of pitch in the room, in, this, in the room, in the, in the plaza of listening and giving value to every little detail. So there, that's kind of the way that I'm hoping um, their role is, as well as, you know, also bringing some rhythm and lightness and um, uh, like very, like changing the verbal part of what the portraits are into a nonverbal experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that actually ties into my next question, which is about accessibility and inclusivity, because this piece is designed to be inclusive to those with disabilities. And that seems very much of a piece with the idea we were talking about earlier about under the pursuit of understanding through alchemy, because, yeah, that magic of art is that it can help everyone understand the difficult and the profound as long as it consciously welcomes everyone. Um so how did that idea of inclusivity sort of shape the development of the work? Two-part question. And the second part is, how do you see inclusion as part of your creative philosophy more broadly? You know, this is, I think, one of the things that is really important about getting outside of the theater, mm -hmm. um, which I think now the theater is becoming a little bit more aware of this. But when you make a work for public space, Kids are there, seniors are there, people with accessibility needs are there, people who don't want to see you are there, <laughs> people who wanted to sit down in that chair that you're now dancing in are there. 
So um, it really just totally changes, you know, the your status, which is when you're on the stage, you're you're in the, you're dominating the space. You are telling people to sit down and listen and watch. Um, and obviously, you can totally play with that. And I think that I, you know, I'm I described it in 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 very cartoonish ways, but. When you, when you make a work for a public space, you have to think about everybody. You have to do your best to try to think about everybody. And, um, and that really excites me and it inspires me. And I have a lot more that I want to do and, and learn with that. And I'm just at the beginning. This is just the beginning. Um, but it's, some, it's a space that is, I want to I be um, because that's exactly where the movement that I'm making and the conversations that it sort of, um, it requires are pushing me to grow um, and make more connection with our, our world and our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I think that there's, this is, we're working with Lincoln Center who obviously takes great care in, in, um, in doing this right, but I think what's really fun is also just being able to be creative about it, you know, mm-hmm. and say like, what could bring most, what could bring most pleasure, mm-hmm. and elevate most fun or most um, comfort, mm-hmm. you know, to people. It's been really, it's been really great to have that as part of what we do, and um, just wild to see how much you actually really you know, like in these 26 portraits, how like I see myself in all 26 people. I mean, of course we have completely different lives and, but it was just very special to feel more connected than disconnected in the end, um, which I think is ultimately the goal of inclusion too. We all feel we're connecting, we're getting closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the idea of inclusion as not just something to be checked off a list, but something to incorporate into your practice in a way that feels of a piece with the rest of the work that you're making that feels like it's contributing and enhancing this, this art that you're making as opposed to, yeah, I'm, I'm meeting all of the the requirements. Oh yeah, for sure. That, that, that feels crappy. (laughs) That feels weird. I will say when you're doing these things, you realize that there's just a lot more mm-hmm. that you want to do mm-hmm. and that, and you, there's a lot more you want to do and there's a lot more you want to try to do. And it's frustrating sometimes because the steps you're taking aren't as big or as radical or as um, some feel really big. Some feel massive. I mean, I know that there's huge for me as an artist kind of a revolution happening Mm-hmm. But still, you're like, oh, it's not as, there's more we can do. But that's great because then yeah. you're going to, you know, make more work, <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> God willing, you know. Um, thank you so much for, for taking the time today to talk. And, and where can people go to find out more about You Are Here? Um, yes, it's part of Restart Stages where there's a lot of really exciting things happening, um, like almost every day. You can visit researchstages.org. Andrea, thank you so much again. I really appreciate your your time and your and your consideration. 
Um, it's it's really it's really exciting uh, for me that you'll include include this in in what you're doing. I'm really grateful and thankful to 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 have it um, uh, with you. And it's just so good to see you. And I didn't ask you at the beginning, you know, how you are and how how you've been this oh. year. <laughs> Thanks. That's kind. No, you know, I think I'm about the way a lot of us are, where I'm personally okay and and it's that sense of feeling like well it hasn't been that bad for me relatively speaking so I don't have a right to be sad about things but then also being sad about things and I think a lot of us are in similar places but thanks for asking yeah someone described it in one of the audio portraits as languishing yeah that is exactly exactly it but yeah you know lots of glimmers of light happening so Yeah. Well, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for having us. A big thank you to Andrea one more time for her candor and insight and a few more details about You Are Here. So ticketed live performances begin tonight, July 24th, and they'll run through July 30th on the Lincoln Center campus. As Andrea mentioned, you can visit restartstages.org for more information about the whole project, which sounds so fantastic. And thank you all again for listening. We'll be back soon for the next installment of the Dance Edit Extra, which just a reminder, will drop in the separate Edit Extra podcast feed. So please visit thedanceedit.com for more information about that. And in the meantime, be sure to catch our regular news podcast, the Dance Edit podcast, out every Thursday. Have a great weekend, everyone.